Welcome to the Van City Church Podcast. The following is a guest teaching from Chad Johnson. Along the long and winding road of discipleship, how can we resist the popular option to simply abandon the way, let alone maintain a passionate zeal for Jesus? Here is one man's story of an awkward, awesome, and broken journey through joy and failure as a disciple of Jesus. Again, if we haven't met, my name is Josh. Um, and ordinarily, my job is to be the guy who's up here on a Sunday evening teaching from the Bible to you guys. Uh, and you, this evening, however, I have the unique pleasure of introducing a friend of mine. So um, uh, he was actually with us last year as well. And the story is, if you weren't around, if you're new here, or you missed that Sunday. Um, for many years before, uh, we planted a church. I actually used to travel around as a musician. And during that time... Um, I had the unique privilege of meeting and befriending a gentleman named Chad Johnson, and we worked together in the music industry for uh, quite a long spell. I think we met in 2003 or something like that, so it's been a very long time. And we actually had this interesting kind of concurrent journey where our time in the music industry was dovetailing into a time of Um, what some people think of as ministry proper or doing uh, stuff that looks less like uh, bands and songs and more like um, this kind of thing that we're doing right now, working in a church. So I ended up planting a church. Chad's in, he'll tell you about it, but he's been on a really wacky journey. And part of that journey um, that intersected with mine and with ours is that he was a dude that... um, kind of years and years ago now, was one of the first gentlemen that I talked to that was really into this idea of taking risks um, uh, in being empowered by the Holy Spirit in the normal everyday rhythms of life. Uh, So, you know, like we'd hang out every now and then when I'd pass through Nashville or we'd stay at his house or something like that. And one time I suddenly realized that he'd become this dude that if you're going to the store, you now have to stop anytime you see someone with crutches and he's going to be like, hey, my name's Chad. Can I pray for you? I see that something. I was like, what the heck are you doing? And uh, and then that became a conversation. And really, Chad has been kind of a mentor to me and in sense, in a sense, to the Van City story on what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, not just in a time where you respond to a teaching on a Sunday evening, but in the everyday things of life when you're out to coffee or at a gas station or whatever that might be. Um, so he's here tonight to talk to us and over the Van City story. So this is my friend Chad Johnson. Please be kind to him. Laugh at all his jokes and all that stuff. Thank you, Josh. It's so funny because the whole time I'm standing back there hearing all Josh's niceties and I'm just thinking like, should I be standing in the back? And like, I know he's going to call me forward and that just feels so awkward. Like I should be sitting up here, then it's a little less awkward. So the first thing you need to know about me is that I have embraced a level of awkward in my life that, that may or may not make a whole lot of sense. I think by the time that we're done, um, you'll understand a little more of what I'm talking about. But it is truly an honor to be here with you all. I do, um, I do believe that I've known the Porters and Mike for about 15-ish years now, which is really shocking. And the one thing that um, I would say to repay honor for honor is that they have always been pursuing Jesus and going after his heart, even as a rock and roll band flailing around in clubs all over the planet, um, their pursuit was always genuinely Jesus. And so I'm equally inspired by them, moved by them, and have been very encouraged by just their their desire to keep chasing after him. Never would I have guessed they would be here. 
But here we are. So Jesus, you're amazing. Thanks for this time. Help me not to say anything too stupid. And I blame you for everything that comes off sounding truly amazing. You really are great. Um, You really are everything that we need. And we desire closeness, intimacy, and a depth in knowing you that only you could produce. So have your way. Yeah, in Jesus' name. So 10 years ago, I had what you or I might call an epiphany. Um, but really, to me, what spelled this spiritual kind of awakening. And I had this thriving music career where my job was to find, sign, and develop bands. Um, I, even though I, I loved music, I had never studied music or business. Um, I, the reason I don't clap in church is because I have no rhythm and don't want to throw anybody off in the line around me. Um, and I can't sing. I've never been able to play a single instrument, and yet God used me to prove that he chooses some really foolish people to shame the wise. And so my name appears on millions of records, not because I am gifted in the least, but purely because Jesus is very generous, and, uh, and I believe I'm here to prove his, his humor. Um, my spiritual epiphany, maybe to combine what we all could call it was that this awareness that being a privileged music guy was not the path meant for my life. Um, the problem was I couldn't stop dreaming about a, a level of, of Jesus awakening or Jesus revival on the planet. And I would go to these shows and as much as I loved working with these bands and being a part of their lives, usually the most I felt that I was taking away from an event was God bless you, or maybe Jesus loves you. And there was just something in me that just said, oh, there's got to be more. God, I want to see you doing more. People have to experience you uh, at a deeper level. Um, I was very afraid at the same time that I was about to be committing career suicide. So my family was completely dependent on my single income. I did not have any clarity as to like what was coming next or what I would do when the whole thing fell apart, which as you'll soon find out, it did. I was even more fearful though, that if I didn't follow my heart, that I would forever sort of lose this like moment or this opportunity of what could or would have been. So little did I know God was setting me up for something grand. Likewise, he has a plan for you bigger than anything you could possibly comprehend, whether you see it right now or not. You were created to carry more power than any instrument on the planet. Christians first begin following Jesus because his spirit invites us into a story more alive than anything we've ever tasted Our mission is to love Jesus and others as we learn to love ourselves, and therein lies the problem. Maintaining a love for Jesus and for others is becoming, at least for me, maybe not for you because you're living in Portland. I lived in Seattle. I get it. The Northwest has always been this interesting spiritual anomaly. But in most of what I would consider the the Western world, We are moving from a Christian majority to a rebellious little Christian minority. Modern day Christian culture um, feels to me anyway, like she's breakneck speed accelerating away from a biblical view of Jesus towards an easier, more amicable road. And don't get me wrong, I, I love getting along with people. I love partnership and unity and togetherness as much as anyone does. 
It's kind of like, can't we all just stop taking the Bible so seriously, ignore hell, just, just go ahead and embrace sin, and yet still call ourselves Christians? And the answer is no, we can't. At least not if we're going to hold to the beauty and the power of the historical Jesus. So I'm going to be reading with you together from 2 Corinthians 4. And um, this, this is when I'm supposed to say something epic about this passage or somehow buy us a little time so that you can turn to 2 Corinthians 4. But I have nothing more clever than this little whatever I did. So 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so also we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." If you are struggling to love Jesus, others, or yourself, then this message tonight is for you. If affliction, despair, persecution, or maybe even death seem closer than you've ever wanted them, tonight is for you. Over the past 10 years, I've regularly experienced mountain peaks 
followed by valleys low. I'm here by grace, still dreaming of a global revival of biblical proportions. Throughout this time, the problem that I've found myself dealing with most the past 10 years has been despair, also known as the temptation to lose heart. It's impossible for me to shrink the last 10 years into a 30-minute presentation, and it's also impossible for me to tell you the full story without including the peaks and the troughs. So anytime I hear someone who only shares the miracles and the beauty and the power and the great stuff, my heart instantly goes, yeah, but what about all those challenging moments? Um, I've... I'm not proud of some of these moments that I've lived and am going to be sharing with you, but it's important for me to honor you with full disclosure and transparency. It probably comes as no surprise that the first area of hardship for me and my family was that of financial stress. We sold our home in Seattle, and for the first time in our marriage, had tens of thousands of dollars in our savings account. And it was like, yes, we've finally arrived. This feels so great. Then we relocated to Nashville, Tennessee, because Jesus said, go. And I wanted to obey. And so we went. We liquidated within about two months all of the savings that were once the tens of thousands of dollars in the account, bought a new home in Tennessee, placed $30,000 on credit cards to fix it up, all within a period of six months prior to God telling me, you need to quit your job and come follow me. Um, and also the only time where I had worked a job paying me more than $20,000 a year. I cashed out my 401k. I sold everything of value in my home that I could find, including record collections, gold plaques, whatever, only months later to find out that we were once again out of money. During that time, I racked up an additional $20,000 in credit card debt in, in a, as an attempt to try to provide for my family before I became unable to pay the monthly minimums. I then decided to wake up one morning and stand in line for food stamps. At first, they said that we as a family did not qualify because they looked back on our history and they were like, you made a lot of money. And then I had to go in and again tell them, I did used to make a lot of money, but then Jesus said, come follow me, and now I make no money. And so I finally could show them my current bank account and they believed me. So for the first two years of our ministry life, we were, on, we were provided for by way of food stamps and Medicaid. On one Friday evening, the perfect kind of evening for family fires, for movies, for pizza, we received a letter from our mortgage company saying that our home was going into foreclosure. I received multiple calls during this time from my frustrated, angry wife, leaving Trader Joe's, her favorite ever grocery store on the planet, empty-handed because once again, the debit and credit cards did not work for her. My true moment of humility came when I agreed to spend two weeks helping, which really meant serving, a band member that I had once worked with who had been under me when I was basically two weeks on my knees installing hardwood floors, not praying but mostly cursing because of the challenge and just how long it took to actually finish his home. The second moment of humility came with the realization nearly um, two years in after quitting my job, that if we were going to survive, I was going to need to do the one thing that I dreaded most, which was to fundraise. 
The other major area of discomfort over the past 10 years has been that of personal and spiritual strain. So I've repeatedly questioned whether I'm being fruitful enough. God, am I doing enough for you? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is there something else I should be doing? There have been days where I wonder how in the world I'll ever be able to remain in full-time ministry, let alone stay in love with Jesus. Ten years is enough time in any role, but especially in Jesus' work, to have been hurt by people close to me. It is also enough time for me to hurt people close to me. Five years ago, I watched all of my friends in this organization called Come and Live that I had started all move away from the organization because financially it made no sense for them to work for free. I often struggled with finding my identity in what I do for God rather than who I am to God. Almost a year ago, my father died of a heart condition, which was like the cherry on top of all the times that I've prayed for people to be supernaturally healed and weren't. I wondered whether I should have done more, prayed harder, fasted longer. Distraction has been one of the ways I've coped, where my thoughts have been consumed by material things, like how I can track down the hardest to find double IPA. Though I might have left everything to follow Jesus, I've also consistently continued to struggle with an addiction to lust that's taken the form of pornography, masturbation, and objectification of women. I've missed countless risk opportunities to love others. I struggle with the desire to share the gospel boldly and openly, even though the ministry that I founded does that very thing. So I open my heart to you with the simple hope of reminding you that no matter where you are, you are not alone. You're not finished. Your story is still being written. No amount of hardship, discouragement, or questioning is stronger than the love Jesus has for you. If God is for us, who could possibly be against us? We're all together in this fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the only way we win is by building each other up and by seeing this vapor of a life for what it really is, light, momentary affliction, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The point I'm trying to make is that my experience has not been all glorious. I've rarely followed Jesus well, but I'd only be giving you a partial and the gloomier view of the story if I didn't balance it out with the positive and the brightness of God's heart. And so I created a list that I'm going to share with you. Not in, I'm going to try to make it sound not like a list because I don't like sharing lists like one, two, three, four, but in my notes, they're lists. So um, the first is that I rarely think about the 401k that I cashed out 10 years ago, nor do I miss the record collection, the gold plaques, or any of those other things. Um, I don't miss my nice music industry job, and I don't think that I've once thought, you know what, I really wish I was back there even though I am incredibly grateful to have worked with amazing people and incredible artists in that world. The credit card companies that I was over $50,000 indebted to all agreed to work with me offering a 0% repayment plan. By the grace of God, um, this year, 10 years later, um, several months ago, I paid off the last of those credit cards. Yeah, thank you, Jesus and Dave Ramsey. 
<laughs> if you live in Nashville and don't follow Dave, it's like, man, you are the, you are the heathen of all heathens. <laughs> um, our family hasn't required the help of food stamps in nearly eight years. The Monday after the Friday foreclosure notice showed up in the mail, you know, the pizza epic family hang night in front of the fire. Beth called me while my wife's name is Beth. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention earlier. I do have a wife. Her name's Beth. We've been married 22 years. I have a beautiful daughter, Sydney, who's almost 18, and a son, David, who is 13. So there you go. Uh, I should have mentioned that way earlier. But um, Beth called me in, while I was in the office, and she said, hey, did you ask for something to be sent to us via overnight delivery? And I said, no, what are you talking about? Open it up. And a letter had been delivered Monday morning. She opened it up and she said, it looks like it's a contract from Wells Fargo, our mortgage company, stating that they were offering us a five-year 2% interest rate to help us get back on our feet. So by God's mercy, we still own that home. I've not received angry Trader Joe's wife calls in many, many years, praise God. Installing hardwood floors only happened one time, and I will never, ever install anyone's hardwood floors ever again unless they're my own or it's like the, the day where you, you, you supply the pizza and the beer, and I'll come over for a few hours and help you. Um, I've now invited over 300 people, usually in the context of one-on-one -on -one individual lunch or coffee meetings, to prayerfully consider joining our financial support team. Um, Ten years later, our, our family is funded by 130 amazingly generous people that believe in what we're doing. All of this is because God is the master of breakthroughs. He's kind, generous, hopeful, always recognizing our potential, and loves proving himself faithful. Through all the years and all the challenges, the Holy Spirit has been a guide to me like no other. Here's where I'm at on the more, again, I created a list that I'm trying really hard not to sound like a list, but um, here's where I'm at on the more personal and spiritual side of life. Being fruitful has become less of a concern for me as much as simply learning to abide and just saying, Jesus, am I, can I just hang out with you? And, and am I just hanging out with you today? And what does that look like? Because I've come to believe that fruitfulness is actually produced out of a simple willingness to be with him and to be near him. Despair is something I'm learning to confess to Jesus, trusting that he cares for me more than I will ever care for him. I've been more committed to admitting my faults and asking forgiveness from those that I may have hurt. Those friends who helped me start, come, and live are still friends and people that I am very thankful and grateful for. One of the most frequent prayers I've prayed this year has been this huge affirmation, Abba, I am yours. You are mine. Your desire is for me. Though there are still many people I have not seen healed, there are hundreds who I have. Distractions are becoming opportunities to ask God for a passion that far outweighs the material moments. This past March, I was speaking at a missions base with a group called YWAM in Denver. 
And while I was sharing at that base, my heart was releasing these beautiful stories and God's mercy and what he was doing. While All the while, my head was thinking about the dark pornographic images I would be viewing later that night in the privacy of my own um, room, guest room. And in that moment, I began feeling a weight of conviction that in 33 years as a porn addict, I had never felt. And I realized in that moment what I needed most was help. And so I just prayed a little prayer like, Jesus, I need help. I don't know what to do with this. And I used Google as the Holy Spirit and typed in Christian sex therapist Nashville, enter. And Dr. Christian popped up as the first entry. (laughs) And I was like, come on, there can't be a Dr. Christian in Nashville, Tennessee dealing with this. And, and I read his bio. He was a former pastor, Southern Baptist pastor, had had this encounter with God and has been helping men for years and years now in this area. And, and it said something. I, I sent him an email. He responded right back to me and said, call me. And so I called him from Denver and I just said, hey, man, I need help. I've been dealing with this for so long and I haven't seen breakthrough at the level I want to see it. And he just said, come in. I think I can help you. And so admittedly, I still have a long ways to go in this area, but today is my 176th day of sobriety from porn, self-sex, and lustful thoughts that once owned me, meaning I'm enjoying the sweetest and longest period of purity since I was 12. I still miss opportunities to love people, and I still struggle with the desire to share the gospel of Jesus boldly and openly But my focus is turning more toward the opportunities that I do pursue rather than the ones that I don't. I'm sharing all of this with you to encourage your heart and to help you walk free from despair, shame, guilt, fear, or the burden of failure that we as Christians often face. I don't care what you've done or what you haven't done. Hold fast to the amazing work Jesus has accomplished for you and is accomplishing in you. If any of this connects, then I'd encourage you to consider three steps, the same three steps that have helped me most in the last 10 years stay alive to God even though there have been many, many temptations to fall away from him. The first is to admit to God and to yourself where you really are. So God, this is where I am. Being honest with yourself, with your spouse, with others, this is actually where I'm not truly in love with you, Jesus, the way that I want to be. Being able to have the kind of open dialogues with the king that he deserves and desires. The second is to seek help. So whether you're struggling with something similar to what I have or something totally off the chart that I haven't even considered. It doesn't matter. There is help for you. And that help comes by saying, Jesus, please show me what to do. Please connect me with either a dear friend, a family member, a counselor, someone who can help me. And then third is to invite the Holy Spirit to give you a passion for Jesus that is impossible for the world to measure. Fear is not your friend. Fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil probably looks very different, each of us, one to the next. I wouldn't dare assume that we're all fighting the same demons, but I know without a doubt that we are all called to fight. Take a risk. Your father is king of the universe. God's plans are alive and well over you. 
He has the ability to accomplish through you what you don't even have the capacity to comprehend. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, do not lose heart. Continue renouncing disgraceful, underhanded ways. Refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, commend yourself to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Proclaim not yourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with each of us as servants, one to another for Jesus' sake. Let God shine in your hearts to give you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to you or to me. Know that he who raised Jesus, the Lord Jesus, will raise you also with Jesus and bring you into his presence. So as grace extends to more and more people, may your thanksgiving increase to the glory of God. Do not lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away, your inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Failure means losing heart, giving despair opportunity it never deserved. God is for you exceedingly more than you will ever be for yourself. When and if you choose to stop fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil, know that there is nothing you could say or do that would cause Jesus to love you less. If failure, fear, or despair find you out, be encouraged to know that the heart of the perfect Father eagerly awaits your return with arms stretched open, running passionately toward you, ready and willing to feast in celebration of your homecoming. Regardless of where you are or where you are not, there is always more in Jesus. Thanks for listening to Van City. You can connect with us and find more teachings and available resources at www.vancity.church. You can support Vancity financially at vancity.church/give.